Hello everyone, welcome to yet another series from the FM Times podcast and this time we are covering our home country, India and looking at all the interesting conversations that are due to happen in the region when you look at the next phase of growth that the facilities management uh, space is going to look at and probably transitioning around output space contracts as well. And I'm absolutely delighted to have Tarun Sibyl with me who is going to be my co-host and guest for the entire series. I had a conversation with Tarun a couple of weeks back when we just got to know each other and I had this conversation where he expressed a lot of about things that he saw back in his early days which he's going to talk about. I'll let him do the talking but some of the work that he did in logistics space was, was extraordinary. I mean the movement that he saw, probably some that he himself drove and that got us to a point where we said let's take that outside perspective of Tarun on the way he looks at FM community space in India and then do this series. So here we are. Thanks so much Tarun for agreeing to be a co-host and a guest on this series. Really lovely to have you. Would you like to say hi to the listeners? Absolutely. Thank you, Umesh. Very excited to be here and uh, really look forward to our chat as we move this ahead over the next few episodes. Awesome. And for everyone's benefit, Tarun currently is Chief Sales and Marketing Officer at uh, OCS Group India and he's had an extensive career, largely a lot of role that he's played across logistics space and obviously he's found himself in the thick and things around the facilities management space. So we'll, we'll pass it on to Tarun. Tarun, give us a brief about your career, your background and what made you uh, look at facilities management in your most recent role? Okay, thanks Umesh again. So I, you know, I always say to people who ask me this question that if you look at the way my career evolved, it's been about the problem or a set of problems picking my skill set rather than, you know, me picking an industry per se. Mm-hmm. And that's been a very interesting sort of, and, and I think it's it's more like, you know, having having worked in various industries for the last, what, 30 odd years, I now make that connect, to be very honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it started by design, but it was more due to what attracted me or what excited me as a professional. And I found that I get drawn to areas where there are problem sets, they could be structural, they could be functional, or they could be a pivot or a transition. And that's what sort of defined my career over the last three decades or so. I started out as a, actually as an investment banker and came back to India after an education in the US and in the UK and basically had a ringside view in the early 90s of the sort of the opening of India as we know it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when the government then sort of provided impetus to, to, to various market forces at the time, it was actually a very, very interesting period where I got to work on things like chewing gum and candies, where we had mm. to define, you know, and, and justify why we would be allowed to bring in that product. And we dealt with policy issues like small, you know, SSI reservation, for example, you know, definition of chocolate, because, you know, in India, chocolate was defined with vegetable oil content as opposed to cocoa content, the way it's driven in Europe, for example. I then had a exposure to power, where I saw how the state electricity boards were operating at very close quarters. And we were looking at technologies which would increase plant, plant load factors, you know, and borrowing that from the US. So very, very interesting space. Again, got a ringside view on power policy, obviously politics, because uh, state electricity boards are controlled by the states and the state governments. And at the same time, 
the interface of industry stepping into that space you know tatas were doing wonderful things in that space at the time and you know and i was representing an american bank at the time and you know how we could leverage both financially as well as the technology transfer to sort of drive that and then of course you know moving on ahead enron happened other things happened you know nuclear power deal happened but that was you know way distant in the future but i would say that a lot of the dialogue was started then this is 91 92 i then also had a very very interesting exposure to animal husbandry which is uh, very few people are aware that it is dominated by two companies there's imv of france and and another german outfit which is very big in this space and yeah. uh, you know at that time india was struggling because france had uh, half the sort of uh, herd but doubled the size of or the yield of the milk and uh, we were looking at how we could bring in this technology to cross pollinate if you will and develop new breeds of cattle in india yeah. and you know the sahiwal breed other breeds so again you know problem sets in different markets you know different places Mm. is where i started out i then moved to logistics where i spent the better part of almost a decade and there in europe i started out in europe middle east africa then moved into global roles with dhl worldwide express headquartered out of brussels there again very interesting where we you know again intersected a policy because at that time we were looking at how we can streamline things like for example container scanning right and how do we work with world customs organizations or other multilateral agencies to ensure that yeah you know lower our uh, turnaround costs at uh, ports or at entry points of various countries uh, both road as well as at you know seaports then another problem set at the time was this whole transition where logistics started to you know what was looking for reach and you know it was seen as a very commoditized product where you for yeah. a service where you move something from a to b and you know margins were thin gross margins typically hovered between 5 to 10% so not much room for error huge revenues right pretty much like a banking balance sheet because a lot of leasing so you had to be nimble in your costs we also didn't have linear costs costs were step up so the moment you put another route or you put another plane you yeah. were essentially changing uh, the complete cost structure or you could impact the complete cost structure so you have to be very careful in terms of how you expanded your offering and how you sort of expanded your service footprint as well and in that domain we started to look, you know explore we sort of re-engineered or reverse engineered our complete cost chain where we figured out that you know that really it was the last mile delivery which is still a bit of a holy grail Mm. and of course pickups because that's where really the cost bubbles are and how right. can we create densities in those areas to lower our cost and therefore become more efficient and that led to the birth of you know logistics going retail mm. even though the idea was discovered in the US with FedEx doing stuff with Kinkos uh, Kinko copiers and you know UPS doing stuff with the mailboxes etc we in Europe took a leaf out of that and i remember i led a whole team in the US at the time in fact that's what got me my job with DHL because first year Manchester and we were asked to work on this uh, live project strategic project for DHL which mm. culminated a presentation to the senior management team in Brussels and that led to me finding a place within global headquarters at DHL and then of course awesome. you know moved moved the needle from there mm. so that you know obviously varied experiences uh, we grew that today i believe it's a billion euro plus uh, division within the DHL framework a worldwide mm-hmm. express mm-hmm. framework 
where you know the whole what we call the physical channel space mm. is a completely different unit and in fact i would say umesh here that mm. you know there's a lot of courage that i think dhl country heads showed at the time and a lot of entrepreneurial spirit because mm. at some point you do also self cannibalize the revenue right right because you know it's very hard to distinguish what kind of revenue will be flowing you know is it only walk in revenue that you are capturing or even some of your regular segment pickups mm. that you would normally send a courier too could also be rechanneled into these through these retail outlets so you know and that makes me sort of think about what happened with Eastman Kodak who actually invented the digital camera but then went themselves out of business mm. right because yeah. they hung too long to to a particular model and to a particular uh, landscape mm. Mm. which was which they didn't realize was actually fast changing and before they know it they they got bushwhacked and you know mm. and and sometimes management does take a call you know you you mm. feel that you have time you can pivot mm. Mm. and you know mm. you and, and sometimes those 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 uh, plays don't fall uh, according right. to where you want them to so so from dhl i i segued back into india you know i i for family reasons i moved back and mm. uh, actually I was an entrepreneur for a while I did my own thing including consulting mm. and and then, uh, you know drove back to to corporate space mm. and again what got me back was a couple of ex dhl colleagues who said look you know we have an issue there is uh, a new sales team to be built up and it's in the healthcare industry and would you be interested and and i was like yes you know it sounded very challenging very different and and did that for a couple of years and uh, and then went into packaging again this was with a startup so mm. got my feel for that i was uh, very very interested to figure out how you know the intersection between high tech so you know because uh, this was not uh, physical packaging but providing a platform to engage sellers and buyers mm. and a very very dynamic space extremely you know led by uh, front ended by technology if you will mm. because the whole mm. supply mm. chain was was to be automated and we were problem solving for what started out with packaging but eventually embraced the whole supply chain as we know it you know so okay. it became uh, almost uh, industry agnostic if you will yeah. and 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 post that i was again having another conversation with a with a former dhl colleague out of london and yeah. he said well you know there's something and i says uh, and he said well you know there's something called facility management you uh, know to come <laughs> back to where we started out and complete the loop for you amesh yeah. and i said well you know i don't know enough about that what is that and so he 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 said well you know it's it's you're looking at large infrastructure and the yeah. you know in india in india this footprint is mainly technical and it's in the engineering sort of space yeah. we are looking to sort of reorganize the complete setup and we are looking yeah. at uh, you know segmenting the market we are looking at some focus segments we are looking at uh, yeah. margins margins are tight so you yeah. know a lot of the things yeah. that talked about is is it's commoditized uh, we are we're trying to go up the value chain yeah. so a lot of things that he talked about were sort of resonated with me because i immediately connected with with my time at dhl and kind of some of the problem sets that we were facing Mm. how we were trying mm. to sort mm. of figure out you know how could we get out of that space and mm. really reinvent ourselves not only from the product and the service side but mm. also from the process side of things right uh, from the cost and the process side of things mm.